Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us as we wrap up a week. What a week it has been. Appreciate you being with us, letting us be part of your day. Coming up on our program, we're going to talk markets with Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN, as we look ahead to the big report coming out next week and get his thoughts on this uh, wild market we're seeing right now and how much longer he thinks this could continue and the impact that report next week could have. We're also going to talk about the ongoing legal battle uh, between the biofuels industry and EPA over small refinery exemptions and uh, lost gallons uh, because of those uh, waivers. We're going to talk with Kurt Kavarik with the National Biodiesel Board. A lot of things changing in Washington, D.C., in Congress and USDA. We'll talk about that with Mary Kay Thatcher, long time with the American Farm Bureau Federation, now the uh, senior lead uh, for government relations for Syngenta. She'll join us in her thoughts on uh, some of the, uh, the changes coming uh, for the country, for agriculture as we move forward. And that's where we'll start uh, with Jerry Hagstrom joining us for the first time in 2021. Jerry with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, Happy New Year to you. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, and Happy New Year to you and to your listeners. It's, uh, I'm very happy, to, uh, very happy to be with you. Well, we have a lot to talk about. You know, with all the things that are going on right now, um, kind of almost uh, lost in this uh, flurry of news this week and the unfortunate, the very sad uh, events that have taken place, uh, the fact that the, the Congress will be changing, the Senate will be changing to a Democratic leadership, even though it's a small margin, but they'll have the leadership. That means committee chairs uh, and committee makeup. And so we look at things like the Senate Ag Committee. That's going to be a change there. What are you, what are you hearing? What are you seeing as far as uh, the direction they may go? Well, first of all, the, the new chair will be someone who was a chair before and has been the ranking member, Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan. Uh, and, uh, and of course, there will now be a, a, there should be a slight Democratic majority on the committee. Um, the word is that Senator Stabenow will emphasize climate change, although I wonder how much actually will happen within the next two years because, of course, the current farm bill runs through 2023, and you normally would not be doing a farm bill uh, until that time. But we'll have to see if they, uh, you know, if they push it. And then, of course, we have the change on the House Ag Committee also with Representative David Scott uh, uh, replacing Col- uh, Colin Peterson. So it will, be, it will be new leadership. But Stabenow is very seasoned. I would never underestimate her as a leader. I think that whatever she wants, she will get. Yeah, she's already talked about focusing on ag carbon. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes, uh, whether they establish a, a carbon market. And uh, I know farmers are kind of uh, wondering what regulations may come along, as well as opportunities. I mean, there are a lot of things uh, just unknown at this point, and which goes with the time of transition and change. Well, that's right. It is, it is very much a time of transition. Um, to me, one of the most uh, interesting and important nominees 
will be the new head of the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, uh, Michael Regan, who has been the uh, Environmental Secretary in North Carolina. Uh, and it's interesting, he'll be the first African-American male to hold that position. And in his, um, when, he, when he met with ag groups this week, uh, he told them uh, that his grandfather was a farmer um, and that he ha- and he's also told the National Corn Growers Association he's, in, he's aware of the importance of the renewable fuel standard. Yeah, the biofuels industry, very interested to see his approach because he's going to have a lot of things sitting on his desk as soon as he takes over, as will incoming uh, former Secretary Tom Vilsack, uh, including the COVID aid package, which leaves some funding to his discretion on how he's going to use it. I know the biofuels industry watching that very closely. Uh, yes, indeed. I think uh, from from agriculture's perspective, uh, how uh, Vilsack uh, spends that money, and of course, you know, how much the Trump administration manages to spend before uh, Trump goes out or the administration goes out on January 20th is important. Uh, they've um, they've got 13 billion for for agriculture, and they've already spent 1.5 billion on this new, uh, f- or not new, but a continuation of the families uh, farmers to families food box program. Uh, but I think actually the first action may be in in EPA with the, with these uh, small refinery exemptions still pending, and and we have, don't have the volumetric requirements for uh, for the uh, under the RFS. So I I'd be watching EPA more than more than S, uh, more than USDA right now. Yep, there's a long to-do list, and we'll see what happens. I would imagine, Jerry, it's interesting for you and working your sources and contacts there in Washington, D.C. This is also a time of tr- uh, transition when it comes to who's working where. A lot of people changing jobs right now. Oh, indeed. Uh, and uh, and I keep waiting uh, to get some announcements on who is going to who's going to be below Vilsack at USDA. Who will be the deputy secretary? Who will be the undersecretary in charge of uh, food production and conservation? Uh, and also who will be in charge of the food assistance programs? Because I think at USDA, one of the first things will be to deal with those uh, r- rules that the Trump administration has put out trying to restrict access to the, uh, to the food stamp program. You know, usually, especially if, if the president is of a different party than uh, say the senate uh confirmation process can take a long time we've seen that it could take years in some cases i'm guessing if when the president and the senate are of the same party that will probably go much quicker i uh indeed i do uh i do expect it to go quickly uh i think that uh, that when bill sack was confirmed before it was the same day that obama was inaugurated I wonder if it'll be something like that this time. Uh, I can't imagine that he will have a very difficult uh, hearing, uh, and you know, I wonder if if he'll get unanimous support. Uh, he's uh, he's pretty popular with Congress, so I wouldn't be surprised at that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch him coming back to USDA to see. Uh, I think we have a feel for his style of leadership, but uh, see what changes there may be from the last time he was there. Well, that's right, and the and the issues are different, of course, with the, especially with the black farm groups putting so much pressure on to do more to help black farmers, even though their numbers are small. But the biggest things that Vilsack is going to have to deal with 
will be the U.S. relationship with China um, and, the, uh, and also these climate issues that I believe both the, the White House and um, the Democratic-led Congress will now be emphasizing. All right, Jerry, it's going to be an interesting year for sure. Good to talk with you. We'll talk again soon. Great. I look, I, I look forward to it, and uh, uh, it's, it is really going to be an interesting time. All right, take care. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. A lot of changes going on right now. How will that impact agriculture? We'll talk with longtime observer uh, of these uh, types of things, Mary Kay Thatcher, Long time with the American Farm Bureau, now with Syngenta. Her thoughts and perspective on the transition next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Andrew Bailey is the Science and Technology Council with the National Pork Producers Council. Andrew, we know that USDA and the Food and Drug Administration have been locked in a regulatory tug of war, you could say, when it comes to the authority on gene editing in livestock, and the Trump administration has signaled that they have an intention to make that oversight go to USDA. That's good news, isn't it? Definitely. You know, that's good news for, you know, uh, pork producers in this country and really all of animal agriculture you know this is really a a first step um, in the process of modernizing our uh, regulatory regime that governs uh, gene editing specifically you know modern new gene uh, genetic technologies in livestock and um, it, it's something we definitely welcome we're very supportive of usda's effort to essentially try and, and bring uh, gene editing and, and these sort of new genetic technologies on the livestock side in line with how they are um, on the crop side for the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? 
Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so we're going through a major transition, not only the administration, but with the Senate and uh, one party having the White House and both the House, both the House and the Senate. So uh, it will be interesting to see. It's not the first time this has happened, but it's been a while. I want to talk with someone who has uh, gone through a few of these transitions over the years. Mary Kay Thatcher, long time with the American Farm Bureau Federation, now senior lead for federal government relations for Syngenta. Mary Kay, good to talk with you. Happy New Year to you. Um, your thoughts on... Uh, what will be a, a major change? And I think a lot of farmers kind of waiting to see what will this mean for them? Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> kind of where all of us are. I mean, especially when you think about the Senate now, uh, 50-50, it means that, you know, usually when you provide money to, say, the Senate Ag Committee, it gets divided depending on how much majority the Senate has versus, I mean, the, minor- the majority party has versus the minority, but this time you have 50-50. So most likely in the next week or so, they'll decide to divide the funding in every committee in a 50-50 slot, meaning they'll have the same kind of number of staff members working on these issues. But it will indeed be uh, Debbie Stabenow in charge of the Senate Ag Committee right now. So uh, we, uh, we anticipate that certainly this will move President Biden's Democratic agenda along much easier but I say much easier, it's not going to be easy because still with a 50-50 split and with only Pelosi being able to lose three or four seats in the House before she has to have Republican support, we think this will drive everything towards the center, which is great in my opinion. You know, we need, we need more bipartisanship in Washington. We certainly do, and I think that is a key point. While the Democrats have the majority and the control, which allows them to point the chairmanships, which that's very important, you point out those are narrow uh, margins in both the House and the Senate. That does impact uh, how things will move forward, right? I mean, uh, the focus is on the Democrat. One party has control, but uh, that well, it reflects the division, of course, in the country, but it also will impact how those committees are made up and, and how they move forward. Absolutely. Now, I would expect that the ag committees would continue to be, if not the most bipartisan committee, one of the top couple. Um, I, I think that, you know, we learned in agriculture a long time ago that we got to stand together. But there will be issues out there that definitely will be different. I mean, you know that if you look at the Senate side, Debbie Stabenow has long been a proponent of doing something uh, on climate change issues, specifically with agriculture and trying to move things along that could provide farmers uh, more benefits if they were willing to undergo more conservation practices, let's say, or carbon markets. Uh, On the other hand, you have John Bozeman as the ranking member who has for quite well, at least a couple of years now, raised a lot of questions about carbon markets and whether it was something that would really work. So we know that climate change is one of uh, Joe Biden's top four priorities and probably the one that could most affect agriculture. So I would anticipate we're going to see some hearings on climate change, some thoughts out of the Senate Ag Committee sooner instead of later on that. Yeah, I think two big areas 
that farmers will be watching closely, of course, taxes and also the environmental issues and whether or not does agriculture get credit for what it's doing already on a voluntary basis or is it going to be more of a uh, of a more regulation and you know more demands placed upon them more burden regulatory burdens i think that's kind of what they're wondering and and what about restrictions of what they can and cannot do on their land all good questions mike now i i believe that because just about everybody in agriculture over the past six months has made kind of a major change really to saying, whoa, 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 hold on on climate change, just saying, yep, this is something we want to deal with. We're going to put out ideas. We want to seat at the table. I think that's a very positive thing because certainly this debate could have gone on without them being at the table and they could have been told what to do. This will ensure if, if farmers stay engaged in the process and they talk to their commodity organizations, their farm organizations, et cetera, and explain what's important and what works and doesn't work, I think it gives agriculture a real chance to do things uh, via a carrot approach instead of a stick approach. Now, I have to say I'm worried that when we come down to the 2023 Farm Bill, and we know we'll start having hearings at least late this year, that um, because of all the money that's gone out to agriculture over the past few years, that indeed people are going to turn around and say, yeah, well, now we want more. We want more compliance measures in order for you to qualify for that. But for this particular year, for looking at climate change this year, this is a perfect time where we've gotten ourselves, I think, at the table. we got to continue to make sure we're at the table and make sure that indeed what happens is, is good for climate change but is good for farmers and ranchers too. We're talking with Mary Kay Thatcher with Syngenta. Mary Kay, do you think there will be a push now uh, to change waters of the U.S. again? I do. I do. I mean, of all the regs at EPA that I would suspect would get changed, I think waters of the U.S. is one of them. Now, again, that's not going to be easy, and it's not going to happen overnight because there will be all kinds of lawsuits that will be filed regardless of what kind of changes are put out. But um, I think, you know, we, we went uh, a long ways from what Mr. Obama had uh, put into law to what Mr. Trump got to change to. I don't anticipate that it's going to go all the way back to Obama. I just anticipate there will be uh, changes. I mean, I, I, I think that's 100% certainty that WOTUS will be looked at it again. You mentioned the Farm Bill. We know it gets tougher and tougher each time to write a Farm Bill. you got more voices at the table more people involved uh do you think this one would be i mean i anticipate each one that's done now is is going to be tougher than the one before and i I would think this one will be too oh absolutely you know mike i've been involved in eight of them and every one of them has gotten harder than the last and there's no question the ninth will be harder than all the rest um i think it's going to take again you know, one of the things that I think that we've done really well in agriculture over the past past few years is to indeed um, build a coalition with nutrition uh, groups and with mm-hmm. conservation groups and with rural development groups and those kinds of things. Um, especially in the House, we don't have the number of congressmen representing rural areas that we need to push through a good uh, section on agriculture if we don't have our counterparts in nutrition and conservation. So that will be important to continue. I suspect that uh, indeed with the hunger issues that are ongoing now, the food bank, lack of food, et cetera, and the way agriculture has been working with them 
hand-in-hand, as well as, you know, the conservation groups are going to be just as involved, if not more so, in the climate debate than ag. I think this is a great time to, you know, again, uh, not rebuild, but um, reestablish those relationships. But it's going to take a village to get the next farm bill passed. Yeah. I mentioned this uh, last segment. I was talking with Jerry Hagstrom. We were talking about uh, the appointees uh, for key spots. And, of course, we still wait to see some of the other positions filled, like undersecretary and things like that, deputy secretary at USDA. But I would think uh, that the key nominees, when the, the White House and the senator are the same party, I, I'm guessing that's going to go much faster than it has uh, sometimes in the past when you have differing parties in those positions. You are absolutely right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I don't I don't know anything, Mike, but I wouldn't be surprised today or tomorrow or Monday for something to come out from Debbie Stabenow saying, hey, going to have a hearing on uh, Tom Vilsack on the 19th of January. I think there'll be a lot of congressional hearings that day, but certainly that's something if it's not the 19th, you know, they'll have them very shortly after that because they want to get those political appointees in place as soon as possible. And with the Democrats, you know, having the 50 votes that are necessary, you don't have to have 60 votes for nomination. Uh, nothing really holding them back. I mean, I certainly don't anticipate Tom Bilsack being, uh, uh, him having any trouble getting confirmed at all. So uh, I anticipate that'll go as soon as he's got his paperwork in. Maybe he already does. Uh, all the financial stuff that you have to disclose, <clears throat> I anticipate a, a quick hearing on that. And probably the same with the EPA administrator and many of the other cabinet members that have been named well they've got some a lot of things that are waiting on their desk whenever they get there so it's good that they can get there quickly and and get to work on them mary Kay, always good to talk with you and to get your perspective on this as uh wow we've seen a few of these things change over the years this one's going to really be interesting we're going to have a really interesting 2021 that's for sure take care mary Kay. thank you thank you Mary Kay Thatcher, long time with the American Farm Bureau Federation, now senior lead for federal government relations for Syngenta. So, yep, the, the time of change is here, and we'll see how smoothly that change goes. Uh, and uh, a lot of questions like waters of the U.S. and what happens on these biofuels issues, just to name a couple. There's some big ones out there. We'll see how the new people in charge choose to handle these issues. We'll be talking a lot about that. In fact, the biofuels issue we'll talk more about here in a little bit when we talk with the National Biodiesel Board. But up next, the markets. Big topic of conversation. Lots going on with this big market rally and looking ahead to a big government report next week. Coming up next, Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN, joins us. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique 
when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Grains are looking to end this week on a higher note after several days of two-sided to weaker trade. Traders are preparing for the January USDA reports next Tuesday, which should add a heavy dose of volatility. On the Board of Trade, March corn is trading a fraction lower at 494. The May contract down a fraction at 495 and a half cent. March soybeans trading nine cents higher at 1364 and a quarter. The May contract up seven and a half cent at 13.61 and a quarter. Chicago wheat March trading seven and three quarters of a cent lower at 6.34 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat March down a dime at 5.88 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat March trading five and a fraction lower at 5.98. The May contract down five and a fraction at 6.06 and three quarters. Despite sharp early week price pressure across the cattle complex, renewed buyer support has slowly developed as traders focus on steady to higher cash values and renewed gains trickling into meat values. In cash cattle country, we saw light to moderate business yesterday. Southern live trade was mostly at $112, about steady with last week's weighted averages. Northern dress deals range from $174 to $180, mostly at $176 to $177, generally steady to a dollar higher than last week's weighted average basis in Nebraska. On the Board of Trade, April live cattle trading 35 cents lower at one nineteen seventy. The June contract down 27 at 115.10. January feeder cattle down 15 at 136.55. The March contract down 20 at 137.35. April feeder cattle down a dime at 139.57. The May contract down 15 at 141.10. April lean hogs trading 5 cents higher at 73.10. The May contract up 32 at 78.25. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're joined now by Todd Holtman. He's senior lead analyst for DTN and uh, want to talk about this uh, wild market. Todd, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year. Uh, what are your thoughts on this market and where we're headed? Happy New Year to you, Mike, and, and thanks for having me again. 
uh, well, boy, uh, after the big roller coaster of 2020, uh, I, I have to say that the big uncertain factors moving forward are still China's demand. And of course, now we have some weather factors thrown in there with South America. But the situation in soybeans continues to be extremely bullish. It's just hard to see any uh, near-term solution to adding more supplies to that market. Uh, we're still uh, probably a month away from uh, Brazil uh, starting to show more significant harvest. Um, and and even if they do have the big crop that uh, we're, we're still expecting, our U.S. soybean supplies are going to continue to remain very tight through the summer months. Uh, so that's probably the lead story still uh, in the in the grain sector, and that's pulling corn and wheat up as well. We're getting to a dangerous spot, I think, in the case of corn prices. Uh, on Wednesday, we rung the bell at $5 a bushel. Uh, we haven't seen that since 2014. And the difference is corn's been riding the bullish wave with soybeans, but in terms of supplies, we don't have the tight supply situation uh, near as much in corn as what we're seeing in soybeans. So that'll be kind of interesting to see uh, if we finally see those two part ways a little bit in 2021. What are you expecting in next week's report? Um, I think uh, I think it's almost universal that everybody is expecting USDA to finally increase that export estimate and uh, give us a lower ending stocks uh, figure uh, on the soybeans. So instead of 175 million bushels, the consensus is that there'll be 135 million bushels. Uh, I think personally, it's still more realistic to think in terms closer to 100 million bushels because crush demand has been so active uh, and so strong. And uh, we don't see really any sign yet that as high as these prices are, that they've really slowed the the export demand enough uh, to to take away the tight concerns. So uh, that should not uh, th- that outlook for soybeans should not change much. It'll be it's always hard to outguess USDA, but 135 is the general consensus. On corn, we're looking for 1.6 billion bushel carry instead of the 1.7. A billion bushel carry, and I think that's probably a reasonable guess. Um, the uh, crop estimate may come down a bit, and I think the tight basis numbers that we see in corn probably support uh, a lower crop estimate. On the demand side, it's a bit mixed. The the export sales remain well ahead of estimated pace and, and uh, probably won't change in this report, but uh, ethanol, as you uh, might be hearing is having some trouble uh, making $5 corn work at the ethanol plants. And of course, with coronavirus, uh, you know, as, as positive as it is to see the vaccine news and, and more vaccines being distributed, the coronavirus numbers are not doing us any favors right now. And that driving activity is staying very slow across the country. So the ethanol demand side uh, continues to be a bit of an anchor for the corn. The report next week, uh, we've been talking about it for some time, could potentially give some real fireworks uh, one way or the other. But is it so anticipated that maybe whatever they say, unless it's way different than what everybody's saying, it just kind of falls into what was expected? How, how do you view the, the potential impact of the report next week? Yeah, uh, 
Good question. And typically in that January report, there can be a surprise, especially when it comes to the crop estimate side of corn and soybeans. I think uh, given the soybean situation this year and uh, how I think it's it's fairly uh, universally understood that this is a very tight supply situation with uh, no immediate change possible, uh, this is probably one time where even if there is a surprise on the soybean side, it's not going to shake the market much. Uh, as far as corn and wheat, I can never close the door uh, to, to a surprise in a January report. That's uh, uh, just part of the risk that goes along with things. But uh, overall, because uh, we had such a good harvest season, and I think the crop really was fairly well estimated, uh, ahead of time. It's nothing like what we saw a year ago where we still had uh, crops in the field in North Dakota and, and very tough harvest conditions. I think this has been much easier for USDA to estimate. And for that reason, I don't expect the big surprise on the crop side here on Tuesday. We're talking with lead analyst for DTN, Todd Holtman. Todd, so you know, everybody wondered how much longer can this rally continue? Um, and as you pointed out, the high prices evidently have not yet hit that tipping point where it starts cutting into demand. Are we kind of in this window now where uh, we don't have the South American harvest yet, still some questions about the size of their crop. Our stocks are lower. We're not obviously to planning time yet to add to them. Uh, China, if they're going to buy, they're kind of, you know, they don't have a whole lot of options right here at this particular time. So does that kind of keep the, at least prop this market up for a while and keep it kind of, uh, you know, maybe not as strong as it has been, but to kind of keep it from falling very much right now? Uh, yeah, that's my take, and I think you described it very well uh, in, in that uh, short, concise summary. Uh, just all the factors uh, are, are pointing to the higher soybean price, and quite frankly, it remains up to China's level of demand. I mean, this market is in their hands, and uh, unfortunately for us, it's very hard for us to outguess uh, the best thing we can do and, and we continue to do is look at those uh, corn and soybean prices on the Dalian exchange and see what they're doing in China. And so far, they keep making new highs. Uh, so we, we keep pushing the higher end of the market. I, I can go back fundamentally to previous years when ending stocks got this tight. And frankly, we're at some of the tightest historical levels we've seen in many, many years. Um, uh, $13 uh, cash price is solidly supported in this soybean market. And the thing is, when you get to this tight supply range, the market has a tendency to become even more emotional and volatile. When you get down, uh, as USDA is already estimating an ending stocks to each ratio on soybeans below 4%, and we're going to probably drop slightly even lower on Tuesday, when you get down in that area, our historical prices uh, have often traded at $15 or above. So uh, I'm not trying to uh, whip up a frenzy here or anything, but the potential for higher prices is still there on the soybeans. As I say on corn, it's, I think it's going to be uh, a bit tough to keep up with that soybean rally, but knowing how markets go, if, if soybeans go into 15, I, I certainly don't see corn selling off anytime soon. I think you got people's attention when you started talking 15. That's that's for sure. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But what but what happens a month from now, Todd, when that South American harvest really kicks in? And unless 
unless it's really a bad crop and I can't the feeling seems to be it's probably going to be a good crop maybe not a great crop we wait and see but uh, when that kicks in which usually puts pressure on the markets what are you expecting then yes and and that's a a really good question and I had that question in mind when I went back and looked at the 2014 uh, year uh, just seven years ago we were very much in a similar situation we had very tight uh, carry and uh, Brazil was anticipating a record crop just as they are this time and by the way I I think uh, that 4.9 billion bushel estimate that USDA is currently looking at is probably a fair estimate uh, as you say, weather conditions haven't been ideal, but the rain seem to have been good enough. And so I, I don't doubt out that uh, Brazil is going to have another big record crop. But if looking back at 14 as a bit of a guide, it didn't seem to slow things uh, a bit because uh, basically, <laughs> excuse me, China's demand has been overwhelming the supply. They overwhelmed it last summer and they came to us early. And uh, there's a good chance that they're going to chew through Brazil uh, pretty quickly again in 2021, the way things are going and and the way the price trends uh, are looking in China. So, yeah, the market certainly should pause. You would expect a correction during their harvest time, and you'd expect uh, Brazil to start getting more of that export business again. But it's still, I don't see that it's going to be enough to alleviate our tight supply situation. So, the, the big factor in 2014 turned about turned out to be weather at springtime at planting time, and I think that's going to be true again this year. Uh, and as you know, we have a lot of drought on the map in the Western Corn Belt right now. So mm-hmm. uh, once again, it's a very iffy prospect. Well, it shows how much has changed. I mean, if if say we did get to $15 soybeans and, and then South American harvest kicks in and Wow, dropped a couple bucks, and you were at thirteen. You'd certainly take that over where we've been, right? I mean, even if you dropped a couple bucks, that that just shows how the numbers have changed so much. Absolutely, and and if we want to go back six months, I still can't believe we're here talking about the prices we're talking right. because uh, the change has just been un unbelievable. Yep, we'll see what the, the report says next week. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Todd. Thank you, Mike. DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Interesting times with these markets for sure. We'll see uh, see how this plays out. But, uh, yeah, you heard him talk about the possibility, not a prediction, but the possibility of $15 soybeans. We shall see. All right, coming up next, the legal battle between the biofuels industry and EPA continues. We'll get the very latest from Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. That's coming up next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, 
publicity and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Steve Sinsky, Chief Executive Officer of the American Soybean Association. Well, I know that you are pleased with the passage of the COVID relief package and what it contains for agriculture. Also, that, that omnibus bill. We were pleased with the agriculture-specific provisions that are included in the bill. I know that there were some more controversial things that were included in the omnibus that not everyone's in, in favor of. And you know, they get presented as a package, but certainly as part of that total package, there was that COVID relief. And so we were very pleased to see that it's going to be additional support for crop producers, soybean producers included on that, $20 an acre payments. There's funding for broadband. There's making sure that there's enough funding for vaccine distribution, prioritizing the distribution to frontline foods, food industry workers. And that's been a priority and something that ASA has been urging. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, time to convene another session of Ag in the Courtroom, a coalition including Growth Energy, Renewable Fuels Association, National Biodiesel Board, American Coalition for Ethanol, National Corn Growers, National Farmers Union, and National Sorghum Producers have filed a reply brief in support of its motion in the U.S. Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia. And I want to get the very latest on this. Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board, joins us now. Kurt, thanks for being with us. Happy New Year. Tell us about uh, this reply brief and update us on this uh, this whole legal action. Sure. Uh, glad to be with you, Mike. Happy New Year to you as well. Well, uh, this is a, a reply br- brief, as you mentioned, in the U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals here in the District of Columbia related to what's called a mandamus petition. So uh, going back to 2016, EPA used uh, waiver authority to uh, reduce volumes required under the renewable fuel standard of biofuels by 500 million gallons. At that time, uh, a group of biofuels uh, groups, including the National Biodiesel Board, sued EPA and uh, were successful in July of 2017. Uh, The court ruled in our favor that EPA broke the law in reducing biofuels demand by waiving 500 million gallons. This action that we, we're following up on this week is a result of the fact that EPA has never complied with that court decision to re-restore, reinstate those 500 million gallons. So this was a decision that the court made in July of 2017. EPA has had more than three years to remedy and, and comply with the court's instruction to restore those 500 million gallons, yet they have never done so. And and what this action was yesterday was just simply replying to EPA's response to the court is is really quite laughable. They said um, they've been com- contemplating the, the proper way to restore the gallons. Um, it's incredibly difficult because it would impose a burden on obligated parties, the refiners, to, to add these gallons back. All of it is nonsense. Uh, it should have been done years ago. It's, it's a simple way to, to, to force the obligated parties to comply, and it's just outrageous that they haven't done it. It's unfortunate that we have to take this action, uh, but we've, we've essentially instructed the court, uh, time is up, it's easy to do, and, and the court should set a deadline for EPA to comply. Do you have a feel for how the incoming EPA administrator, Michael Regan, will handle this issue? No, not not specifically. Um, I I I don't know him. I've I've never I can't say I've ever met him or had any conversations with him about biofuels at all. Um, I I've heard some folks who've dealt with him in his time in in uh, North Carolina. He seems to be very fair and and pragmatic and and 
listens to all sides, so I think that's positive. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm guessing that his he's got kind of a blank slate is in terms of uh, biofuels. Now, you know, he, while he is the EPA administrator, uh, President Elect Biden is is his boss, and he's going to want to carry out the commitments and the and the policies and the goals of the incoming president. President uh, Elect Biden was very clear on the campaign trail on a handful of issues that affect biodiesel use, including uh, the abuse and, and rampant use of small refiner exemptions to undermine the RFS. Biden was very clear in Iowa and, and elsewhere that uh, he didn't support that. And he was going to ensure that that stopped. And he also talked about uh, growing the use of lower carbon advanced biofuels to address climate change, uh, which is which is positive for biodiesel. So I, I think with his nomination, his pending nomination, as well as uh, Secretary Vilsack, um, I think we have a good opportunity here with the incoming administration to at least make our case for uh, biomass-based diesel and other advanced biofuels as being part of, the, of uh, our fuel mix going forward, particularly if their motivation is to reduce carbon and transportation fuels uh, we're a fuel that's here doing it now. Uh, we just need the opportunity to grow. Meanwhile, you wait for the RVO levels for this year, so it looks like that'll be up to the new EPA administrator to set those. There's going to be a lot of items on uh, the new EPA administrator's plate when he comes in. Uh, one is setting RVO levels that were, were statutory deadline was November 30th, so that's been missed. Uh, obviously, we've got a Supreme Court consideration of an appeal related to the denial of a handful of small refiner exemptions out in the Tenth Circuit. Once that decision is made, I think uh, this EPA administrator will very quickly be able to deny any of the pending uh, remaining gap-filling SREs, uh, as well as all the 2019 and the 2020 pending SREs. In fact, there was a court decision earlier this week, uh, or last week perhaps, that basically gave EPA a deadline for uh, deciding on one of those 2019 small refiner exemptions of mid-February. So the, it, it's unfortunate that this is the situation that, that the new administration is going to encounter when they come in, uh, but so much has kind of been left uh, to linger and languish, uh, including the RVOs. All of that, you know, unfortunately, you know, they're going to have to make quick decisions on it. We're going to be as helpful as we can in that process. But in the, in the interim, it creates a, a great deal of uncertainty for the industry, not knowing what those RVOs are not knowing how these uh, small refiner exemptions are going to be uh, dealt with. All of that is, you know, uh, uh, uncertainty piled on top of economic uncertainty related to the pandemic uh, and, and other things. So it's it's disappointing, but it's something that we'll, we'll work through. And you'll be updating folks on these issues in your virtual meeting coming up the 18th, 19th, and 20th of this month. Absolutely right. We'd hope to be in uh, Fort Worth, Texas this year for our uh, National Convention and Expo, as we are every three years uh, in Fort Worth. But obvious for obvious reasons, we, like others, have decided that uh, virtual makes more sense than being in person. So we hope to have the same uh, uh, turnout and, and attendance. We always have great content. It's a great opportunity for networking for uh, members who are interested in the biodiesel industry, our feedstock providers and others. Uh, so we look forward to it. Kurt, always good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Glad to be with you, Mike. 
Take care. Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. As we wrap a busy program and a busy week, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe. Be sure to join us again on Monday right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.